Sorry, Nathan. There we go. That's better. That was not the sound guy's fault, okay? That was pastor's fault. I'm sorry. Uh, Revelation 20, and we're going to be reading verses 11 through 15 together. And as you turn there, I just, again, want to just say, so I'm so proud of Ayla and Cami for taking that step. Just an amazing, amazing blessing. And praise God. May God bless those girls in a special way. So verses 11 through 15... Quite a a stark contrast from the warm feelings of baptism, but uh, we're going to read through the passage together, pray, and and dig into God's Word. So let's read Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15 together, and then we'll pray. Starting in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and from his presence... Earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, each one of them. According to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, for the beauty of baptism. Thank you also, God, for the beauty of your word, even regarding judgment, God. Thank you, Lord. May we lean into this passage, not lean away from it. And God, may your spirit do a good work inside the hearts of every Christian. Lord, there are serious things to consider as we consider your judgment and eternity and our short, brief time here on earth. So God, I pray that your spirit would do the work in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue our sermon series, we are talking about the return of Christ and the life to come. And so we are continuing our journey in the book of Revelation. We've been in Revelation 18, 19, and now 20. And the title of my sermon this morning is God's Final Judgment and Justice for All. As a reminder, the book of Revelation was written in AD 95, written by the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. And he is writing about the things which are and about the things which will be. And so, as a reminder, the simplest way to encapsulate the book of Revelation, we've said it over and over again, we do it for your reminder and your learning. If you want to summarize the book of Revelation, you can summarize it with two words, Jesus wins. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus wins. If If you're thinking about Revelation, Jesus is the one who's going to win. And we all like winners, we all like being on the winning team, and I think spiritually speaking, When you're talking about Christianity, just be close to Jesus. He's going to win at the end. So we're swimming in the deep end of the pool this morning. Sometimes um, it's intimidating to come to passages like this because the deep end of the pool means that we better know how to swim, right? And the depth of this passage is unbelievable. The glory of God is unspeakable. And the scene of the passage with the souls of the dead standing before God's presence is 
overwhelming to us. I'm just going to humbly and freely admit that studying this passage this week has been so humbling for me. To consider the greatness of the scenes that we will see someday after this life. It strikes you in your heart and in your soul in such a way that it, it should stir you, it should move you. And I've certainly been moved this week at the end of Jesus' millennial kingdom. Rob talked about it last week. The millennial thousand-year reign of Jesus, which is going to be amazing. I'm hoping to play lots of golf, amen, in the millennial kingdom. I'm hoping for a thousand years Jesus puts me over a golf course. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, praise God. I hear that. I hear that clap, Chris Leach. I know it's you. I don't even have to look up. I know it's you. Chris and Jackie are touring all of the golf courses in Iowa. They've, count, they've golfed in every single county almost in the state of Iowa. You should go up to him and shake his hand after church today. That's incredible. But after the millennial reign, after the thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth, there will be a fierce and final judgment of God. And it is called the Great White Throne Judgment. Some of you are familiar with this judgment, but when this judgment hits in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, all activity comes to a stop. That's hard for our frenzied culture to understand. We are so busy. We are so frenzied. We are so moving all the time. For us to picture this passage is to picture a full stoppage of everything that we know. So, no more travel trips, no more sports games or AAU, no more news reports of the latest happenings, which might be a blessing, amen? No more political campaigns or speeches or fundraisers, which is also an amen, no more busyness as a badge of honor. How are you doing? I'm so busy. So busy. Have you ever noticed that's how we just talk to each other? How are you? I'm so busy. For me, I, I tend to overstate it just to get people to be like laughing, you know, because I don't want it to be awkward because we're all busy. So I'm just like, well, you know, I'm busy. And they're like, how busy? Well, you know, I have 6,000 girls at home. You realize how busy I am. But we say it as a badge of honor. And often we get really busy to avoid God. Right? We, we get distracted and we give excuses because we just don't want to stand before God. We just don't want to avoid God. So we stay busy, right? The great white throne judgment stops everything. Earth and sky flee, flee away from God's presence. So that's the big idea this morning of the passage. God's final judgment, the great white throne, will stop everyone. And its reality should stir up our souls and hopefully change the direction of our lives. Hopefully seeing Revelation 20 will stop us and stir us up. So my, my question for us to answer this morning is, what is the great white throne judgment? And what should it move me to do? What should I do as a result of knowing this great white throne judgment? Well, this morning we're going to see five characteristics of God's judgment. 
of his final judgment at the great white throne, and we'll, then we'll make application into our lives. Number one, characteristic number one of God's final judgment is that it is overwhelming. This is overwhelming. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it and from his presence, earth and sky fled away and there was no place found for them. John sees God seated on a throne and from this throne, earth and sky fled away, ran away. This means the material universe is running away from God's presence and there is this glorious, glittering throne. This is an overwhelming scene. The great white throne is God's final judgment of man. The location of the throne is just away. I want you to get a picture of this in your mind. It's a floating location somewhere in between heaven and the material universe. It is a, a world that has no definition. It's a place that has no definition. It's this place that's not heaven and it's not earth. If you can just imagine God, the one seated on this glittering massive throne, and the material universe is running away from God. How great is this God on this throne? That heaven and earth are running away from God. We know this God to be Jesus Christ. It is Jesus actually sitting on this throne. On this great white glittering throne. Jesus is sitting there. A hundred billion galaxies gone in a moment. The only thing left is the souls of dead men and women. This is it. And they're floating. How odd is this? You're in a place that's neither heaven nor earth and you're floating. That's a little unnerving. Can I get a witness, right? There's this great white throne, it's dazzling, it's amazing, and it reflects the book of Daniel in chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. This is what Daniel said. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his clothing was white as snow, and his hair was like pure wool, and his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand of thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And they sat in judgment and the books were opened. Many Christians debate whether the great white throne judgment is one judgment for everybody or if it's one of the last in a series of judgments. My personal opinion is that the great white throne is the last in a series of judgments of God. But it's the last one and it's the greatest one. So regardless of your position on which judgment this is, here's what you need to know. Everyone is present. We will all be there. Every single one of us will be there. Whether we're there as a participant or an observer, the souls of the dead will be there and God's judgment will be overwhelming and this whole scene is overwhelming. Do you feel overwhelmed? <laughs> God's final judgment is overwhelming. Second characteristic of this judgment is that it is inescapable. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and the dead were judged 
by what was written in the books. The dead, great and small, John says in verse 12, will stand before the throne. The audience before this great God and this throne is all the dead, all the unbelievers of all history, plus all the people of the millennial kingdom are standing before this throne, floating before these thrones. And all these dead individuals will be placed in front of this throne. And just hear me clearly. This is all classes of people. All groups of people. Blue collar and white collar will all be there. Whether you were rich or poor, powerful or insignificant, you will find yourself there. And you won't be able to Walk out of this space. You're not just going to be able to be like, I don't like being here. I got to get out. The great white throne judgment is inescapable. You won't be able to run away. Do you know many people spend their entire lives running away from God? Lots of people are running from God. You might be running from God. I did a funeral yesterday. I officiated a funeral, a very tragic funeral. 19-year-old individual that I knew well passed away. And so I was officiating the funeral and there was a, there's a lot of things that I said about Jesus and about God that were accepted by some, embraced by some. There were tears all over the room. As people consider death and the brevity of life, there was one particular individual very hardened toward God. He listened to me preach the sermon and you know what he did with his hands? He went like this, and the entire time, he refused to listen to anything I was saying because he didn't like what he was hearing. And afterwards, he dramatically walked out of the funeral home because he could. And it was a, it was a sad situation. There's a lot of moving parts. You know, people get emotional at these times, and it's very understandable. But I thought, that that guy was able to walk out. He was able to escape. A message that he didn't appreciate to a God he didn't believe in. But there will be a day when there is no escape. You can't escape the message of God. And that is the characteristic of God's final judgment. It will be inescapable. There will be a place where there's no more running the judgment of God will be inescapable. Thirdly, the, the, God's, the characteristic of God's final judgment is that it will be individual. Not only will it be inescapable, it will be individual. Verses 12 and 13. The dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead. Death and Hades gave up the dead. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. You see the phrase, each one of them, in verse 13. John reminds us that God's judgment will come on every individual, person by person. God is going to have his day of justice and judgment with each person. And he's going to have his day with each person according to what they have done. And that phrase might stick out to you a little bit because it's the deeds of each person that will be measured by God. We all measure our deeds, don't we? We measure our deeds like, I'm okay with God. I do this, that, and this, that. We observe other people and say, well, they're okay with God. I observe this, that, this, that. God is going to have a day with every person, and he's going to evaluate their deeds, 
Why their deeds? Because whatever we do is built on what we believe, right? We do what we believe. Think about it. Our actions always reflect our strongest belief. We always make time for what we value the most. Can I get a witness? We always make time for what we value the most. Oklahoma football. Sorry, Jim. I had to. (laughs) Iowa football. Iowa State football. And we can all agree on this. Kansas football. Amen. We all make time, right? We believe in our team. We make time for it. We, we believe in our kids. We make time for them. We believe in our values. We make time in our schedule to, to have our works flow towards what we believe the most. And that is the whole point of what John is saying. God will individually judge and thoroughly evaluate every word, every thought, and every work of a person. The great white throne judgment is scary because all of our stuff will be on full display. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you will be condemned. The final judgment will be individually executed and the books will tell all. So you can see that the judgment of God is inescapable and individual, like there's nowhere to run. And as Martha and the Vandellas once sang, there's nowhere to run to baby. Nowhere to what, class? Nowhere to hide. The fourth characteristics of God's judgment is that it is gracious. It is gracious. The books were open, verse 14, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And if anyone's name was found written in the book of life. So there's the books that have all the works, all your works, all your thoughts, all your deeds. There's those books. And then John says that there's another book opened and it's called the book of life. And in this book, there are names written down. These are the names of people who are saved and going to heaven. Did you know there's a book right now called the book of life in heaven? And by God's grace, it has your name in it. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's a book called the book of life. David talked about it in Psalm 69 verse 28. He said that the righteous people, the saved people were listed in the book of life. Luke 10 20, Jesus told his disciples, don't be really excited and joyful that the demons are subject to your ministry. Be excited and be joyful that your names are written in heaven. You know what's better than healing somebody or doing miracles in this life or having all the blessings in this life? The greater reality of of joy should be that your name is written in the book of life. Nothing else matters, church. Nothing else matters in this life. You can be so successful in every other area of life, but if your name is not written in the book of life, it is a scary reality. And if, the, if your name is written in the book of life, you could have nothing. You could have zero according to the world. And yet, in God's eyes, you have your name written in the book of all books. Praise God. 
If anyone's name was not found written in it, Jesus is going to be on this throne looking through the book of life to see the names of the believers that are written down. And what I want to emphasize here is that God writes the names in the book of life. You don't write your name in the book of life. Which means God writes the names, which means he's primarily the author of salvation. God is the author of salvation, and it is salvation primarily by grace. How do you get to heaven? By the grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In the midst of this, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Literally, God writes your name in the book of life. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Grace is the first and the last moving cause of salvation. And faith, essential as it is, is only a part of the machinery by which grace employs. We are saved through faith, yes, But salvation is by grace. A Christian's attitude should always be, how can it be that God would be so gracious to me? How can it be that my name is written in the book of life? How can this be? The attitude of a Christian is never arrogance to say, well, yeah, I was kind of expecting my name to be there, God, so uh, thanks that that all worked out. I worked pretty hard. A Christian's attitude is humility to say, how can it be that my name is written in God's book? There was an old hymn called, And Can It Be?, And it goes something like this. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's love? Died he for me who caused his pain for me to him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me? Even in fierce judgment. God shows grace through the book of life. And oh sinner, if you are here and you don't know Jesus, we would just tell you, I would tell you as one who has been forgiven of all my sins, I would tell you, you need to repent and believe and have God write your name in the book of life. Characteristic number five of God's judgment is that it is final. God's final judgment is just that, final. Verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is called the second death. Unbelievers at this time have already been in a holding place of separation from God called Hades or the lower regions. Now the lake of fire is the final destination of those who don't believe in Jesus. At this moment, there is no second chance for redemption. Though according to Matthew 7, people will plead with Jesus, 
Say, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I do all these marvelous, wonderful works in your name and these miracles in your name? And please. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You never made it personal. Jesus also said it this way in Matthew 25, 41. Depart from me, you accursed ones, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God's judgment is final and this thought should be deeply unsettling to every person here. The souls of unbelieving men and women heading into an eternal hell with no hope of redemption should be unsettling to us. Christian and non-Christian, it should be unsettling. Christian doctrine should be unsettling at some point. This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.11, Knowing then the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. God's judgment will be final when he evaluates people by his books for eternity. So, what should God's final judgment cause me to do in response to to the message this morning. What do I do with this heavy and sobering passage of God's final judgment on all mankind? In a culture that does not stop, I would encourage us to stop right here. Because God's glory is overwhelming, we should worship him in humility. If God's glory is this overwhelming and powerful, we should worship him in humility for who he is. Because God's judgment is individual and inescapable, we should stop and take accountability for our souls. Okay, don't lean on Pastor Josh to get you to heaven. Don't lean on any religious teacher to get you to heaven. You need to take accountability for your soul this morning. Because of God's grace and the book of life, rejoice if you're a Christian. Rejoice that your name is in the book of life. It's a miracle of all miracles that you're going to heaven. Rejoice in that. And because of God's judgment being final, think about the gravity of eternity and hell and what happens to people who do not have Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way, I would almost rather be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. I would almost be willing to go to hell so that they don't have to go. Is that the kind of love you have for non-Christians? I can tell you just... Being in a funeral setting all week this week, I can tell you death is such a shock for our culture these days. Many people told me I don't do well with these moments because I've been to one funeral, two funerals, three funerals my whole life. And all of a sudden being confronted with the finality and the brevity of life. It's overwhelming to people. Do you love them? Do we love the people around us to care enough to ask a question about spiritual beliefs, where they're at? And because of God's final judgment, we need to live with a real perspective. Life is short. All of our days are coming with God, our evaluation before Jesus Christ. How will you live? What will you prioritize? We started with baptisms and we're going to finish just with some reflection time. These little girls, the power of their decision, Ayla, Cammy, the power of your decisions, it moves us because 
we realize life is very short. And these moments are very big. And church, we need to wake up from the message that the world is sending us and our own flesh engages in that it doesn't matter. It's all relative. It's not all relative. Every moment is a gift from God. We will stand before our God. And for those of you who know Jesus, oh man, what a moment. Don't waste your life on trivialities and things that don't matter. Pour yourself in to Jesus Christ and his gospel. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, mm, my heart as your pastor would plead with you. I, I mean, with everything that I have, everything that I am, I would plead with you. Repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come in. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to know that you'll spend eternity in heaven. So this is your invitation. I'm going to pray and we'll have a couple minutes to respond. Brandon will close us up in a song. But just take a couple minutes just to respond to God. In whatever ways God's stirring in your heart, respond to God. Get right with him. Get okay with him. And embrace the decision that, that the Holy Spirit's leading you to make. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and love and mercy, Lord. Think of this crowd and so thankful for every person that is here. So grateful to have the opportunity to preach and to talk with people that I love and care for. God, each person here is an eternal soul. And oh God, may we understand the gravity of your judgment. The gravity of your power and your holiness. That there will be an inescapable judgment for all men and all women someday. And oh God, thank you for Jesus who removes the wrath of God. Thank you for everybody in this house that has believed in Jesus. Lord, we pray that you give them great joy, great comfort, great security in Christ. But Lord, also help us to understand what's at stake in the lives of everybody around us. And Lord, help us to make decisions and respond and worship in ways that would please you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.